please follow in the reading of God's Word. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as He has chosen us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to His kind intention of His will, to the praise and glory of His grace. Father, teach us now. Show us the Trinity's plan in eternity past. Father, let us understand the urgency of our day. And yet, Father, let us understand that nothing stops your plan. And Father, I just praise you that each and every one of us who has ever been called by your name, you already knew before the foundations of the world. Thank you, Father, that you carry out your plan before us with moment by moment. May we never take that for granted. May we always be in awe of it. In Christ's name, amen. We're looking at verse 3. And the reason is, is that that verse 3 sort of sets the standard for the entire book. It, It just, it's, the Apostle Paul erupts in praise. He just, he, he can't stand himself. And he just takes off with it. One of the things that I have looked at as I continually read through this letter every day is that I realize if I take those first three chapters, there's no more doctrine needed. You've got it covered. And in a, in a, in a time that I watch our societies globally, the the turmoil that is there the the lack of I, I you know i think the thing that bothers me the most i can i can look around you know when you have a son who is in harm's way and and another one a son-in-law who's headed there at the first of the year you start looking at the stuff that's going on in our world and you think man what a mess and one of the things in my own personal studies that i have been looking at is Philippians 4, the secret of contentment. And I ask yourself a question. How many of you know somebody or you yourselves are content? And the Apostle Paul, when he wrote that letter, he was in stocks in a jail in Philippi. That would be perfect, huh? I'm content. Well, I don't have to do nothing. Uh, right? <laughs> but do you see what I'm trying to get at? And, and I, I think about that because I can look at my country right now and everybody's still trying to be content. And, you know, if we get this election, then this will happen. Nothing happened. Nothing changed. Okay, and I, I mean, we just more fodder for the, the news cycle. And, and, and I look at that, but I say it just keeps stirring stuff up. I was reading some stuff from the late 60s, 1960s with Woodstock. And at Woodstock, there were 400,000 teenagers for four days with nothing but drugs and a lack of food. And you know what? There was no fights. There were two deaths. 
A teenager was sleeping in a field and was run over by a tractor. And another one overdosed. And I'm like, you got one overdose out of 400,000 people in four days. Okay. But you know what? I remember those days. And I got news for you. Humanity was way laid back than it is today. I mean, there's a state of frantic in our lives right now. Everything is frantic. And remember, the technology was going to make it easier. The technology made it more frantic. Because now what you can, because it's, it's funny because people come in and they'll see me studying and they look and they said, well, you don't have an iPad. And they said, uh, no, I don't have an iPad. Well, how do you, I write, it's called like paper and pen. It's an interesting thing because you know what I learned a long time ago? My pen's battery never runs out. Okay. Nor does it forget its memory. And have to be rebooted. Alright? And yet I look around us today. Here in our community. and Here in our country. And there is no contentment. There is still that more, more, more something is going to make me happy. And you and I know at what point is the flesh satisfied. The Apostle Paul burst out here. And said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Brothers and sisters, right there is the secret of contentment. And when I look at the body of Christ, this I told you that some of the manuscripts that we have, the original manuscripts that we have of this, the, the word to the church in Ephesus isn't there. It's blank. So this letter could go to any church, anywhere, any time. So he's full of praise. And the reason he's full of praise is that he freaks out over the 4 through 14. 4 through 14 is the history of every Christian ever or who will ever be. So he starts with praise. Which, if you really think about it, makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. What we're looking at in verses 3 through the first half of 6 is what I call the aspects of blessings. All right? So we looked last week at the blessed one, God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? The word blessed there is the word that we get eulogy from. And a eulogy is to speak well of someone. So when it says, bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me, you know what he's saying? Speak well from the soul. Speak well of God. And and I think about it, this morning uh, I had some frost on the windows I didn't have enough that you had to get out and scrape it, but it's those little starlets, them little, you know, anyway, they're kind of cool. So I just get in the truck, turn the truck on, and I take off, and as I came around my street and turned out, the sun hit those little starlets, and it was, it was like rainbows everywhere, and I just stopped and says, gosh, God, you're cool. I mean, and it's just this little thing, and it was like these little rainbows all over my windshield. 
And I was like, wow, that's awesome. And so I tried to back up and do it again. It didn't work. But anyway. <laughs> so, but it was just like this burst of, look at what I did in just an instant. And I thought, man, God is totally cool. Blessed one, speak well of it. We are commanded to continually bless the Lord. Think about, compare your daily thought processes or maybe your daily speech. How much of your speech or your thought processes are complaining? How much of them are blessing the Lord? And what would that do to your day? Would it change it? I have given, uh, I have a very small biblical counseling business. It's about like that. Because when people come in and they've got problems, what I've learned is I just let them go ahead and uh, spew. And then I get done. When they get done, I, they usually by that time have figured out what their problem is and they're wasting my time. And, and I tell them, I said, here's what I do. When things go south on me, and they do, all right, I start at Psalm 1, verse 1, and I begin reading. I read out loud so my little pea ears can hear what my mouth is saying. The book of Psalms is nothing but praises to God. So when you start reading out loud and you start hearing what you're saying, that you are doing nothing but praising God, I have never gotten beyond Psalm 12. When God says, now, you got it? I mean, I got it. All right. Okay? These are the kinds. And then, you know, people look at me like, God, that's so stupid. Try it. If you find yourself complaining a whole bunch, stop, get the book of Psalms open, and start reading. Read out loud. Because when you read out loud, your ears are hearing it. And when your ears start hearing it, your heart starts saying, uh-oh. We are continuing to bless the Lord, no matter the circumstances. We always speak well of the Lord. No matter the circumstances. You know, it's... When you have one of our greatest circumstances that will affect all of us, and we've all had to deal with, well, maybe not all of us, but many of us have dealt with in our lives, is the death of a loved one. All right? That is a tragic. I mean, it just shocks us. I mean, sometimes we are prepared. There may have been an elongated illness, and you almost are like, wow, I wish that they would hurry up. All right. But there's other times that it's a shock. If it's a car accident, why is it more tragic to die around Thanksgiving and Christmas than it is in first of June? Well, it's near the holidays. Really? That makes a difference. All right. But one of the things that I have learned about death is that's the Christian's final reward. I mean, the whole reason that we got what we got is so that death don't bother us. But yet we're all freaking out over it. Oh, my God. What am I? You know what? Ain't one of us get out of this thing alive. So you might as well put that thing down. It's coming. And you know what? There are days my poor knees 
uh, in my shoulders and elbows wish it would come a little quicker. But we always get obsessed with it's death. Well, praise the Lord. I finally get out of this earthen vessel. I finally will hear, well done, true and faithful servant. Really? Death, where is your sting? And now listen, it doesn't, but remember what he wrote to the Thessalonians. We do not grieve as those who have no hope. And we need to be aware of these things. Because when you realize the riches you have, just being his child. It should overwhelm you and you should all of a sudden be very content in everything that you've got going on. You will be anxious for nothing but through prayer and supplication. Make your requests known to God and the God of peace will be with you at all times. Now let me tell you something. When we, each of us, start walking like that, the world will take note. The problem with the church today is that we've manufactured it in our own image and we believe this is what they want. And it's only getting worse. It's only getting worse. And why start looking at the church? The church offers nothing that the world doesn't already offer. In the world's case, God bless them, they've already had it fail enough times, they're on to something else. And the church is trying to catch up. But it tells me that they don't understand who it is they serve. They do not understand the aspects of blessing. So if I'm going to deal with he who is blessed, the one who is blessed, which is God, then I will move on to the one who is the blesser. We know who that is, right? If he's blessed, then that makes him the blesser. In case you were wondering, James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting Shadows. Where do blessings come from? From he who is blessed. There is no variation. There is no shifting shadow. You know what that means? There's no deception. There's no abstract. It's very clear. He is the father of light. Every good and perfect gift. Even when it looks bad, guess what? I can deal with that one too. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that God causes all things. Did you get that? To work together. For the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. You go back to the original text, the original language, the phrase there, all things. 
means all things. Did you, you don't don't understand what all things are, right? That's like all things. Okay, I just want you, do you understand all things? It's like when you're using the hammer and you go bang and you hit the fingernail, all things. All things. Boy, that was an all thing right there. They're all working to our good. They're all working to our good. All things work together for our good. So when you think that he is blessed, he is the only one who is good, Jesus said. Okay, I got it. He's the only one that is good. Which means then whatever he does is what? It's all good. So he is the blesser. Even when it looks bad. It all works for our good. Listen. Let me see if I can put this kind of in a philosophical mind. God blesses because God is the source of every good thing. Okay, get that? God blesses because he is the source of every good thing. Now, I don't know about you, that's a little difficult for me at times to get my head wrapped around. But when you do get your head wrapped around it, then you also have to stop and say, if he is good, then he is the source of everything that is good. And so whatever he does is good. It has a purpose. And I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. It has a purpose. I remember a very dear friend of mine. He's in glory now. He was kind of my hero. He was a survivor of Bataan, Corregidor. Wonderful guy. I mean, a wonderful guy. And when he was on the Bataan death march, going to a prison camp, he had his Bible with him. And he said, I'm going to memorize something here because the Bible's going to fall apart because of the climate, but the Japanese are going to eventually going to take it away from me. So he began memorizing. You know what he memorized? The book of Psalms. The book of Psalms. And I, I had the privilege of, of, of gracing his precious bride, whom waited, was his fiancée when he was deployed to Philippines and had no idea if he was killed in Philippines or if he was a prisoner. And she went to San Francisco and waited for the prison boats to show up. And she waited and she waited and she waited. And Henry came off. And he smiled at her, very weak, very emaciated, hurting. And he said, we should get married tomorrow. We've waited too long. And they did. And we're forever married until she stepped away. I had the privilege of doing her funeral. I had the privilege of reading the book of Psalms to Henry before he died. And when I finished the book of Psalms, he breathed his last. And his son, who was a non-believer, was sitting there and says, I cannot believe that. Okay. When he was at the VA hospital nursing home, 
I would go up there and see him once a week. And I, you could just watch him getting worse and worse and worse. And when I would come in, he would cheer up a little bit. And I remember him asking me one time, Why am I still here? And I said, You're still here for the glory of the Lord. He says, I just don't feel very glorifying right now. And he was struggling. I mean, he was, he was, he was very sick. About that time, this guy came in, was blind. He's a vet, a lot of injuries. Had lost, uh, was a quad amputee, blind. Someone had to feed him, take care of him. They bring him in. They park him at the table that me and Henry are sitting beside. Henry looks over and smiles at me a little bit. And he says to that soldier who was sitting there in disability, he says, Brother, can I pray for you? And you watch this big grin come on this young man's face. He can't see who's saying it. He can't do anything. And he says, I would love it. And Henry prayed for him. See that? Every good thing. Wrap your head around that. Listen. Think of it from this perspective. He is not. Okay, hear what I say. He is not the source of some good things. He is the source of every good thing. All right. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care where you are on the social scale. I don't care what your political beliefs are. I don't care how educated you are. I don't care how talented. I don't care about any of that. Because the source of every good thing is not you. If you're good at something, you know why? God made you that way. In the book of Genesis, he made creation the entire thing. And on the sixth day, when he finished, he looked on it. And what did he say? It is very good. And how much involvement in creation did you have? So when you look around you, you can look at it and say, he did all of this. Oh, preacher, there's bad in this world. Look around. Yeah, you know why? When you see the absence of God, what do you have left? Man is a sinner. He doesn't wake up one day and sin and become a sinner. He is conceived in sin. It is his very nature. If he didn't have that nature, you never need a law. He is a sinner. And God is the blessed one. He is the only one that is good. And he is the blesser also. Let's do another one. What do you think? The blessed. 
the blessed. We have the blessed one, God. We have the blesser who is God. And we have those who are blessed. You know who that is? That's us. Or as they say from some of the people of my relatives, Ewan's. In God's massive grace and his wonderful providence, working his sovereign plan, he has chosen to bless us who believe. That's amazing. I don't care who you are. The letter to the Galatians. Chapter 3, verse 9. So then, those who are of the faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. We who are chosen by God have believed because he has chosen us. We believe by faith he has given us. Therefore, we are the blessed. Okay? Do you ever think about that stuff? Listen, the next time you decide you want to complain about something, why don't you shift gears and think about that? God has chosen to bless you. Why? Because he chose you. Why do you do that? I, to this day, wonder that. I don't know why he did. I think it was to freak out the angels. The angels looked at him and said, you're going to do what with those? You don't have enough holy water to wash them clean. No, but I've got holy blood. When you start to think about how rich you are in Christ, it will overwhelm you. It will overwhelm you. And he only does that to those he has chosen. But his blessings are so massive that when he pours them upon us, it spills over on the unbelievers. Jesus said that when it rains, it rains on the unbelievers too. And where they were living at that time in Israel, rain was a very important thing. Still is. We are blessed. And brothers and sisters, we are so blessed that if you're really honest with yourself, it is beyond your imagination. Now think about it. We talk about heaven all the time. Everybody wants to talk about You know, heaven is this, and we've got these trees that give different kinds of fruit off of one tree. Uh, I mean, what do you call that? Okay, (laughs) I mean, you got all rivers of running, living water and all the rest of it. And we all get into the thing that says, do you know that they use gold for pavement? And they've got gold that is so pure in heaven that it's clear. But you know what else is in heaven? Sinless perfection. Sinless perfection. 
I can't get my head on that one yet. That means there's no dentist. Dentists are a product of sin. <laughs> well, they are. When you start thinking about your heavenly home and that you're just here passing through and it was nothing that you or I ever did. Remember when this all started? We are looking into the throne room of the Godhead right here in eternity past before He ever spoke a star into existence. He already had a plan. We are blessed. It is beyond what your imagination can comprehend. Do you realize that each and every one of you in this room right now if you are by faith, his has the ability to effect the eternal destination of other people. Now, think about that for a second. We have a lot of professionals that are around us that can fix absolutely nothing. And you can affect the eternal destination of individuals. Each and every one of you can do that. And you don't think you ain't blessed? Really? Do you know that you have been given the eternal book, the holy book of God? It's yours. I hide my word in their heart. Do you realize that your heart of stone has been removed from you and you now have a heart of flesh? Do you realize that you have the ability to love as Christ love? And you don't think you ain't blessed? You are an oddity in existence right now. It is beyond our imagination. He lavishes good and perfect gifts upon his children. Remember when Jesus was dealing with the religious authorities? And he says, you who are sinful, give good gifts to your children. How much greater are the gifts that the perfect God gives? And yet, there's suffering in our lives. But the Apostle Paul even understood that because he said, I am convinced that the suffering of this time cannot compare to the glory to come. He lavishes these good gifts on his children. So, here's what you can look at, at what we've seen to date in this verse. When we bless God... We speak well of Him. I would highly suggest you try to do this just a tad bit more often. Just a suggestion. When He blesses us, He does good to us. Okay? Our blessings is our words to Him. His blessings... Are his deeds to us. 
What a deal. And you don't think you ain't blessed? All I have to do is say, God, cool picture on my windshield this morning. I liked it. It was still cold, but I still liked it. And then his blessing is what he does in our lives. The peace that surpasses all understanding. The wonderful counselor. Lo, I am with you always, even into the end of the age. I go and I prepare a place for you. Minor details. I mean, he blessed you to make you born and raised in this country of freedom. For now. That's a blessing. I've traveled outside of this country. There's places over there that it's kind of spooky. I mean, when they tell me that I'm in this massive city of Baku and they says, don't walk around with a Bible in your hand. There's something strange about that neighborhood. Make sure you have no Christian literature laying in your room that anyone can find it. Oh, by the way, they've got three prayer rugs in your closet if you need a prayer rug. Okay, that's a blessing. Lord, thank you. And yet, you know what? I listen to people and all they do is complain. I'm sitting there going, hmm, haven't been out of the neighborhood, have you? Haven't been out of the neighborhood. Brothers and sisters, the blessed one is God. The blesser is God. The blessed are all believers. Next week, we'll look at the fourth aspect of blessings. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you for your spirit that has sealed us, counsels us, convicts us. Father, and I pray, controls us. Father, thank you. For the blessings that we see moment by moment, breath by breath. Father, thank you for the blessings we just take for granted. Father, may we not be ones who would take you for granted, nor your blessings for granted. Father, I thank you that your blessings to us are your deeds to us. Your deeds for us. Your protection of us your comfort in all of our situations. Father, help us to walk in a manner worthy of the high calling of each of your children. Father, help us to use the resources of the heavenlies. Father, help us to glorify your name in our deeds, our words, our actions. Father, help us to praise you more with every breath you grace us until that day our faith becomes sight. That, Father, we may each have a longing in our souls to hear, well done, true and faithful servant. We love you, Father, and we praise you. In Christ's name, amen.